Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from Toronto, Ontario, is Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing pretty great, Bill. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. This week, we're going to be talking about The Magic Circle. It's a game that came out last year, in July, July 2015, and we've talked about a few games that are meta, or have, like, meta humor, but I think this is the first meta game that we talked about that's about game development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really kind of gives you an insight into the game development process. Mm -hmm. As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com. Now, before we get into the actual game itself, Cliff, have you been playing anything else lately? I have been playing The Witness, and The Witness came out about a week yesterday, a week ago yesterday. Um, the Witness, I think I talked about it last time we were talking, I think? Um, but uh, The Witness is uh, uh, the second game made by Jonathan Blow, who's the guy who did Braid. And uh, essentially you're thrown in on an island, and you don't know anything about the island, and you sort of discover these puzzles, which are basically boil down to starting a cursor in one part of a maze and directing it to the other part of the maze while completing different requirements at the same time. And the game doesn't tell you anything or how to do anything, but it'll gradually teach you how to do the puzzles by giving you more and more complex ones until at the end you're doing puzzles that have all these different sort of mechanics blended in. Uh, but it is super good. I actually just finished playing it, or I don't know if I'd say I'm finished playing it, but I beat it uh, earlier this evening. Oh, wow. You must have gone through that game really quickly then, or at least I... spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, I did spend a lot of time on it. Um, I can give you an hour count right now. Let's see. 14 hours. Okay, so that I spent a lot longer on that than I thought I did. Um, but I think you can actually spend a lot longer on it, too, because there are all sorts of mazes hidden in the environment, in the world, and just by looking at them in, like, a certain way, you can sort of identify them, and then you can actually do the mazes, which are just kind of blended in, um, and so there's all sorts of different secrets that are hidden in the game, and even though I beat it, I haven't found everything in the game, not by a long shot, which is pretty neat. Um, some of the mazes get pretty complex. I mean, ultimately what they look like is sort of a circle with a line coming off of it that sort of ends at a point, right? And so you click on the circle and then drag throughout until you get to the end of the line. And then you click again and then, it, you know, the maze is finished, right? So as you're walking around, maybe you see like, oh, there's like a sewer grate or something like that. And it sort of looks curved, and there's a reflection in the water that looks like the other half of the curve, so that's the circle, and then you kind of see a line tracing out from it just at the bottom of, like, the stone over top of the water, I guess. And so that looks like the maze that you got to complete. And so you can only see it if you're, like, standing at the right angle on the island. Um there's another thing when you come out of this area and you're just walking along the path. But if you get a higher vantage point, the path itself actually looks like a maze as well. And so you can complete that and make that a secret too. Uh, so there is all sorts of stuff that is hidden in there. And uh, it is great. It is a great experience. Uh, I certainly recommend playing it if you enjoy puzzle games. Um, you can always wait for the price to come down a little bit, but it's... A super, super good puzzle game. That's amazing. That is a glowing review. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, uh, I can't think of anything that I didn't like about it, you know? It was all, 
Uh, it was all, it had a very nice, you know, environment to it. Um, if there were parts where I was frustrated, I could go away from them and do other puzzles and then maybe learn a little bit more about how the puzzles work and then go back and try and do a different one as well. Um, on occasion, I would encounter something that I just had no idea how to do, but I knew that if I went away from it and did other parts of the island, I could go back and figure it out eventually. Um, it was very, very satisfying. It was a very good experience. So yes. Yes, that's 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 all I want to say on that. <laughs> Would you say it's your early front runner for game of the year 2016? Uh certainly the best game that I've played so far in 2016. There you have um, it. Oh, there that, you go. That, that, that's it. That's the front runner. I, that's what I heard, and I'm taking it to print. Okay. So have you had the chance to play anything else besides The Witness? Uh, no, it's been basically exclusively The Witness and uh, The Magic Circle as well in the past week. I can't think of too many other things that I've played. All right, well, I haven't had too much of a chance to play games over the last week, but I just want to talk about a a game, I, I guess a, a gamification, if you will. Uh, so I've got a Fitbit. Okay. And I've been invited to do work week challenges for the last few weeks with some friends I have here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so as part of that, it's very basic. You know, you just... You take all your steps throughout the day, and you get them tracked through the Fitbit, and then your bar gets longer as you put more steps into it, and you try and have more steps than the other people in the challenge. Oh, okay. So you're uh, filling up bars. I'm a big fan of well, that. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm glad it comes across, because it's it, it didn't. I didn't think it would affect me at first, but then once I got into it... I was thinking about different ways I could, like, get more walking in during the day. It's like, well, I could just, like, go someplace farther away for lunch or, like, walk around the block. Or we have a treadmill desk at our office, so I'll get on the treadmill desk for an hour a day. I even went to the gym a few times last week. So as silly as it is, it, it got me exercising more. And on Monday of this week, when I forgot my Fitbit at home, it it had the adverse effect of making me want to walk less. I... I still like got on the walking gym at work, but it was definitely demotivating. <laughs> Why am I going to walk if I'm not going to experience for it? It's something I've thought about because with this program and with a lot of stuff like it, there's rewards tied up in doing healthy things. Mm-hmm. And it does give positive reinforcement for being healthy, but I wonder if that gets taken away. Is there ever a point where it affects people negatively and it makes them less likely or it pulls them further back in the other direction of being not active or being unhealthy. Hmm. I I suppose it could be. I mean, if you're getting that reward for doing it and then the reward is gone, I can imagine that would definitely have an adverse effect. I, I can imagine it. I'm not, I can't confirm, but it sounds like a possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's really all I've been playing lately, I'm afraid. I, I haven't had the chance to sit down with too many games besides the Magic Circle. Yeah, well, hey, that's me too. That's the that's the time of year, I guess. Well, we're just uh, two peas in a pod, then. Uh, two radii on a circle. Or, yeah, a circle, not a sphere, a circle. I think you could still have a radii on a... A radius, radii being the plural. I think you could have that on a sphere. Oh, okay, well, good, good. All right, then two radii on a sphere. Yeah, there you go. I Yeah, yeah, good, good. good. Right. Well, then let's talk a little bit about the magic circle. Now, okay. as I had mentioned earlier, this game came out July 9th, 2015. It was developed by Question, which, as far as I could tell, was like a three-person studio. 
Okay. And though, like I was reading on their site, they all had big credits. Like I, I saw, like one of them worked on Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite before. Mm-hmm. And at the start of the game, you're kind of plunged into like a demo for like what looks like a medieval role playing game. But pretty quickly, you realize that something's amiss. That that's not the actual setup for the game. <laughs> yeah, pretty darn quickly. There's uh, lots of parts of it that just seem like they're incomplete. And there's no color in the game. Everything just seems like it's really just not the way it's supposed to be. That's right, yeah. As you find out a little bit more, you are actually portraying a character in a game that's still under development. And there's a creative struggle going on between two of the creators. One being Ishmael, who is trying to bring to life this incredibly deep, and emotionally overwrought story that he's made. And you've got Maze, who is very action-oriented as a, as a former competitive gamer, for, sorry, a former pro-competitive gamer, and wants things to have, like, consequences, and you can do stuff and get cut the exposition, get to the actual meat of the game. Mm-hmm. And you're, you, the character, it's a little bit ambiguous at first, but you are a tester of the game, and you are caught in the middle of this struggle. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wasn't really too clear of that. I guess you are a tester, but then you suddenly have the ability to manipulate the world as well. I don't really, I wasn't too clear on that. I mean, I haven't, I really haven't been asking too many questions about it. I've just been rolling along, you know, it's like, oh, is this, oh, okay, what I, you know, not really questioning it or thinking about it too deeply. Uh, cause that's what I do. I just roll with the punches. Well, I, you know, I agree. I haven't thought about it too deeply either. And I suppose it is to the game's credit that this is like a large fundamental question about the stakes for your character, but you're not necessarily pausing to like figure it out or you're just willing to roll along with it however the game is willing to present your experience. And yeah. so as you as you go on, you meet the sorry, what what what's that guy's name? The old PC? Uh yeah, the old pro is oh, what sorry. he's called. Mm-hmm. So as you roll along you meet the old pro who exists from another older iteration of the game, and he wants you to help him to to finish the game, to get everything patched up, or to or to re- get get you guys out of there. Because as it stands, the game is incomplete, and everyone wants to move on with their lives but can't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's actually pretty neat. the uh, The old pro brings you in and takes you to the game that he was in, because uh, you're sort of in this kind of like fantasy ish sort of game. But then he was in this game that really looked like it was like an old, like, old sort of like shooter on like the N64 or something like that. And the game actually does a pretty nice job of recreating the feel of it. When you start walking around in this like, uh, it's kind of like a spaceship hangar thing, space station, I guess. Uh, when you're walking around in it, it feels like you're playing like one of these old school sort of games. And actually had the same sort of feel that I got from playing like the Metroid Prime Hunters game on the DS. So, like, the lower quality graphics, but still, like, this immersive feel to it, which was uh, pretty neat. And the fact that you can go back and forth from this, like, old-looking spaceship into this, like, fantasy world as well is pretty neat. Yeah, they did a very good job of recreating, like, that old-school, like, low-polygon display. And then you go into the the fantasy world, and it is incomplete, but, like, the the grayscale, the monochrome art style there is very interesting, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I also like the fact that as you're walking along, there's like a little bit of color that you're bringing with it as well. And all the things that are associated with you have color as well. So I guess that's tying into the theme of you bringing life back to the game. Oh, that, that is true. Yes. <laughs> Good catch. And what you discover as you start playing is you can't interact with the world in sort of a, a regular fashion because as it's kind of explained in the prologue to the game, the one creator, Ishmael, abhors the idea of violence and letting your character have agency. So what you actually have to do is you need to hack into the objects in the world around you and change their behavior in such a way that they will complete your tasks for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings in a bunch of different, like, neat puzzle-solving mechanics and things like that. Because you can actually pull out behaviors from one uh, thing, like one creature, and use those behaviors or things in another creature. Uh, there's a monster, for example, that attacks just with a big flame burst. And if you defeat this monster, you can pull out that ability to attack with a flame burst and put it into a different enemy. Uh, so these flamers are immobile, but you can pull out the ability to use this flame burst attack and put it into a different type of enemy and then use it in a totally different way, uh, which is pretty darn neat. It is really neat. It's a very unique gameplay mechanic that I haven't seen repl- replicated before or in the short time since the game came out since. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you d- develop this large inventory of different behaviors and items with which you can interact. And over time, you also develop almost like, in the style of a role-playing game, a party of different like AI characters that like follow you around in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of the uh, howlers following me around right now, and I've got them all sorted uh, more or less the way that uh, Chris Pratt did in Jurassic World, which was kind of unintentional. But I just I had the first one I named him Andy because I was like, I'll call him A for Andy. And then I got to the next one and I was thought, oh, uh, I'll just call him Beta. (laughs) And then I went through and now I'm up to like Epsilon. And I'm going to have to start looking up that alphabet afterwards because I don't remember what comes after Epsilon. But in any case, I've got Andy through Epsilon (laughs) following me around. Plus Mushroom Wizard. I only have one of him, so I didn't bother to change his default. Absolutely, yes. You collect this army of guys and you got to kind of keep track of them. And because you only have so many like iterations of each behavior you can you have to like specialize with one guy maybe being the like the fireproof guy and the other guy having like a ridiculous like ray gun attached to him that fires a giant laser beam even though he's like one foot tall yeah and and while you're going around doing this the creators of the world which are called inside the game's universe the sky bastards they're continuing to argue over the game and going through this power struggle where it's the two, Ishmael and Maze, and then they're joined by a third person, Coda, who starts off as just a fan of the game, but quickly inserts herself, manipulates herself into trying to have all of the power. <gasps> oh my gosh, what a twist. I don't know if I'm there yet. Or maybe I am, and I just haven't been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, admittedly, there's been a bunch of times when you'll like find an item that like gives you an audio recording or something like that, which you know tells you what's going on with the characters. And for some reason or another... I just haven't been listening to them because <laughs> like, you get these like bonuses and it's like all this stuff and you get these like extra like attacks or something for animals. And I'm like, great. And I take that. And then there's like, you can also listen to this audio file. And I'm like, yeah, I could. And then I just exit. <laughs> so I haven't really done too much of that, but I'm sure it's a cool story. I just haven't really been paying 
too much attention to it. For me, it's all about hopping in and out of those menus really fast. That's what I really like. <laughs> well, that is a really strong gameplay element, and it, and it leads to some pretty humorous situations where characters or objects behave in ways that are not intended but as part of the original game and get, get pretty funny that way. Mm-hmm. And, and with those logs you were mentioning, yeah, uh, as there are the two and then three creators arguing over how the game should be made, you find the change logs and the audio logs, some of which are made by like the level designer and the art director and how they're being pushed and pulled in all these different directions and they're close to the breaking point trying to just get this game done and finished because it's mm-hmm. been going on developed for years and years and years. It's pretty neat how they put in all these different elements, which is just like you getting right in the middle of this, like of just the politics of working on this game, which is probably something that like a lot of people haven't really considered too much about, right? Is that everybody's working on this project together and they all have different things that they're trying, that they're trying to do. At least, you know, for me, this hasn't been something that I'm really, you know, thinking about a whole lot, you know? Yeah. You know, there's lots of different people who come together to make a game, but then I don't really think about it too much past that. Like, oh yeah, I guess someone was in charge of like doing the the lighting effects in this area. And he needed to get creative input from like the director of the game and what it's supposed to look like and that stuff. And uh, this game kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into that, which is pretty neat. And normally when you're doing comedy, you have a director, someone there to guide everyone and to put forth an overall vision for the project you're working on, whether it be a play or a sketch show, or even just you're trying to come up with an improv form. Someone who will settle disputes and mediate and kind of keep all the people's egos in check. Because even if people are starting out from a place where they want to contribute and want to be part of something, that everyone has their own ideas of how to end up at the best end product. And mm-hmm. here in the Magic Circle, you see that there are three people who are basically on the same status. There is no one who has total control over what's going on. Mm-hmm. The three of them, Ishmael, Maze, and Coda, need something from each other, and it really checks things up for everyone else involved. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Especially for the game world, because everything just seems horribly incomplete, and now you're in there, and you're just trying to pull things apart and put them back together in a way that you can use while everything is still falling apart. I did think it was kind of fitting that Ishmael is this kind of sad older man who is really worried about his legacy in the world and he's played by james urbaniak who also voices dr venture on the venture brothers oh maybe that's where i recognize his voice from yeah he's a bit more subdued here he, he's not hitting like as high on the register or getting as emotive as he does as dr venture but that's that's him wow well good to know and i would have expected perhaps that you noticed that uh, the voice of Coda is very familiar. Yeah, that's uh, Ashley Burke. Yes, from Hey Ash, What You Playing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that. She's, uh, there's been a couple of different things that I've seen her as a voice actor in, which is pretty Yeah, cool. good for her. I, I don't know if she started out as a voice actor and began doing the YouTube stuff or vice versa, but if she's moving towards more of a voice acting thing, good for her. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good for her. So, uh, yeah, so I like this game so far. I mean, I've, I've only really been playing it for maybe about two and a half hours or so. And I'm still in the process of trying to get over to the Sky Bastard, and I have no idea how to do it. And I keep exploring the same areas over and over. But I did manage to kill a big giant monster in the game. And the game said something like, wow, you killed the big giant monster. <laughs> I was like, yes, I did do that. 
So I felt pretty good about that. I feel like because I did that, I'm making progress in the game. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with it next. Because uh, uh, I think you said that it's a pretty short game, but uh, I'm still interested in seeing what happens. It is. It's a pretty short game. It's supposed to run like four or five hours, I guess, because for myself, I was getting tripped up on some of the puzzles. I, I was unfortunately not able to finish it either, but I did see a fair bit. And then I watched a, a Let's Play of some more to get some idea of where the game is going. And just uh, one thing I will allude to here is that it pulls in some real-life elements of game development, where you have to fundraise for your game. You Sometimes you don't have enough money, so you need to get more money somehow. And then showing your game off. Because, I mean, I'm sure you've seen demos of games, you've seen like E3 where they display the games and show you what they're about, and that's difficult. It's very difficult for these game developers when they're trying to they're trying to write a book and then they're trying to pull a chapter out of the book that's somehow representative of how the entire book will behave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be like if you uh if you took Moby Dick and then you took out one of the chapters where they're like, "Oh, this is about whale oil." And it's like, "What does this have to do with anything?" What well, are you talking clearly about? they want to get the whale oil. <laughs> oh, well, of course. It's a book about whaling, so I guess that makes sense. It, yeah, that's that's probably what they're going for. Let's give them a check for twenty thousand dollars. That's a lot. In yeah, based 19th. on that chapter exclusive. As you were saying, with the the funny bits of dialogue about how killing you kill a big giant monster in the sky, there is definitely elements of the game that, as you we of course mentioned, that the game is incomplete. So of course the dialogue in so you're playing a game, the Magic Circle, but you're also within this online world that's supposed to be a game, and there's placeholder dialogue in there. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, I forgot about and that. And so sometimes you'll see it. Sometimes it'll be like, uh, I don't know what to say here, but we'll write some dialogue later. Sometimes you'll hear an audio track and then it'll cut out and the music director will say, uh, we'll, we'll just uh, keep playing on, keep playing on, and we'll come <laughs> out back and tie that together later. Yeah, or like, uh, quieter, quieter here. Oh, no, uh, the, uh, this is too sad. Oh, this is the ending music. We gotta, we can't use this. <laughs> uh, so, Cliff, I think at this point we have exhausted everything we could say about the game right now. <laughs> yeah, sounds like we're kind of running a little bit thin. Uh, do you think uh, it's a good idea for us to go and play some of the game and then come back and talk a little bit more about yes, it? Yes, I think that would benefit both you and I, and it would benefit the listener. <laughs> the people who are listening as well. Hi, we're Bill and Cliff. We're going to talk about a thing that we've only barely encountered. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah okay yeah. that sounds good well let's uh let's go and uh, play it and then we'll come so back so keep listening we are going to continue after this pause here we'll pick it up and just keep listening Cliff, you have played it through to completion, I understand. Yeah, yeah, as far as I know. I mean, I played it through right to the very last end when uh, uh, the pro makes you design the game itself, but then I kind of saw that and I was like, oh, okay, I think I get what it's doing. I just kind of stopped there. I didn't, I, I that... saw that there were options for like put treasures in or enemies, and uh, I, I just didn't. <laughs> That's entirely fair. Respectfully, I do, I did like the premise of the game, and I do think the game does things very well, but I. Truthfully, did not finish the game. I looked, though, to see how the game ends, and I've, I see the part 
or have seen the part you talked about, and I can fill in the last, like, five minutes of the game that you did not see. Great. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so I think before we left, I was in the process of trying to figure out how to get over to the Sky Bastard. And uh, as it turns out, as far as I'm concerned, that's the entirety of the game, more or less. Uh, like, that's the big puzzle that you got to try and figure out. Now, admittedly, it's, like, pretty cool. Like, there's a lot of different options that you have to get towards it. Uh, but it's unfortunate when, after you do it, that's basically it. Like, it goes into some more storyline things, but as for puzzle solving or things like that, it doesn't really happen a whole lot. I guess there's some other exploration stuff that you can do when you can find other, um, you know, you can find all of the, uh, uh, developer commentary or whatever it is, but uh, in terms of big puzzle solving, that's pretty much it, which was disappointing. That's a good point. It is a pretty hard left turn for the game after you get to the Sky Bastard and you start fighting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until that point, you know, you're roaming around in the computer game world, acquiring new monsters and like f- fidgeting with their powers and stuff. And after that, it's a lot more about a, a meta commentary on game development. Mm-hmm. Yes, <clears throat> it certainly is. Were there any uh, last points before we move on to that segment of the game. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about the gameplay up until that point? I thought it was I thought it was super super cool. I would have loved to have had more stuff that involved puzzle solving. Um, if I can run through what I ended up doing, if that's if that's cool, because I just thought Please. it was neat how I yes. solved it. So the Sky Bastard, which is one of the developers, I think it's Coda, I forget, um, but the Sky Bastard is one of the developers. And they're way over on this island somewhere else. And you can't, like, jump over to it or walk over to it or anything like that. Uh, So what ended up happening is I found a, uh, like, a whirlybird or something like that. One of these these, um, helicopter things. I Mm -hmm. uh, attacked it and killed it using the, uh, you know, the followers that I had. And then I could steal its ability to fly, which was cool. Then I found a rock, and I put the ability to fly onto the rock, and uh, then I stood on the rock, and then you can just put, like, a waypoint, and your enemies move toward, or sorry, your allies move towards that waypoint. So I just stood on the rock, and I put the waypoint over on the platform, and it just flew me over to where I wanted to go, which was neat. Uh, before I could do that, there were a bunch of other enemies to take care of on the platform, so I gave flight to some of my howlers. And just sent them over, and they just fire-blasted everything over there and cleared it all up for me. And then I just hopped on the rock and just flew over as well. And that was awesome. I felt uh, very pleased with myself and very smart when I figured out how to do that. Um, but uh, I mean, that, that is pretty awesome that you were able to... There was a, an idea you had, and there's a game... There's a way inside the game to conceptualize it, to make it happen... And you get to see it play out in front of you. And I think that could be you know, a very satisfying feeling from these types of games. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, the neat thing was that, uh, like, I developed the, like, I came up with the idea based on other things that I had seen in the game. Like, I had given a rock the ability to float before so I could get over a different passageway, right? And uh, then I saw that and I was like, oh, well, I wonder if I can make it do this. And then I totally could. And then I was like, oh, cool. Okay, so now I can do this. And then, you know, I had to solve a bunch of other things, um, which was great. But then, like I said, I was very disappointed when that was basically it. <laughs> now, see, I, I can appreciate this type of gameplay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that has merit. I just, I, I was having a bit of difficulty 
with it, and I just, I, I guess I don't have the type of patience needed to see it through or experiment with different types of strategies to figure out what works best. Like, at the start of the episode, you talked about The Witness, and I, I see it's getting rave reviews on the internet. A lot of the people that I prefer to listen to for reviews are giving it very glowing remarks, but just the idea of, if the game is entirely fixated on puzzles, if, if that is the entire concept of the game, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, which I feel like that's 98% accurate based on what I've read. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that's for me, personally. Oh, really, eh? I, I think I need something with a bit more narrative to it. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of narrative in The Witness, admittedly. Um, but, uh, I mean, I guess that's not really, you know, the point of the game. Uh, so that's definitely fair. And that that and it's fair that that's not the point of the game either. I, I mean, we don't have to... Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are games that I like that you would not plays uh, i think that the witness is a very well-made game and it seems like it's doing well which is good because as i think we mentioned earlier jonathan blow one of the creators put all of his money into it <laughs> yeah he did didn't he pretty much mm-hmm. uh but in the magic circle though uh unfortunately i didn't get to play it myself there is this meta story about game development going on which i was very interested in mm-hmm. i was very excited by it and even before you played the game, there are different parts of that where if you go to the Magic Circle's website, it has a fake Kickstarter page or, or a kickbacker page, as they call it. That's neat. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So the, I mean, the story of this game is that it's in development and they tried to make a kickbacker, a fundraiser to get additional money for the game. And if you read through the updates, you can see that it fails horribly, unfortunately. <laughs> That's funny. And it breathes a lot of extra life and backstory into the characters. You find out a lot about uh, the main developer, whose name I've Maz? Maz? Uh, Maz is the the competitive... Ish. Ish, yeah. Mm -hmm. You find out a lot about Ish and about his backstory and Mm -hmm. his kind of love and adoration for this game. And, you know, I don't know if you came across this audio log during the game... But uh, you find out at one point that like you, you get a, a voicemail that seems to accidentally have been delivered where he's, he's sterile. He cannot have children. Oh, okay. And it, it's it's kind of uh, maudlin, but it, it does it sets up the motivation for like this game being his his child. That it's like his legacy for the world and why he's so obsessive about trying to protect it. Oh, that's uh, that's kind of sad. That makes me wish I had uh, paid more attention to the actual storyline. It, it's at least it gives him some heart. I, I think it would be kind of ridiculous if he was completely unsympathetic. Yep. I think that's one strength of these all these characters is that they are being jerks to each other, but you can see that they genuinely care about this making this game work. Mm-hmm. That uh, they, you could see that with uh, with the Coda at the end when she uh, uh, gives control of the game over to all the uh, all like I guess just the community and they just rip it apart. Right, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, so getting to that point, so once you beat the Sky Bastards, you actually kind of break out of the game, mm-hmm. in a sense. You're able to manipulate things that are beyond the that original world, and you find out that they're taking the game, the working model they have, to E4. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very very subtle there mm-hmm. to show it off and to give a demonstration and as part of like your final well your second to last battle really before the game development you have to kind of mess up their demo for them mm-hmm. and and so the, like you have to put your skills to the test of like how you're able to manipulate the different 
objects in the world and give them new characteristics mm-hmm. to make the demo as bad as possible. I thought that much. was I thought that was uh, pretty neat, actually. I was like I like the fact that you could take some of the things that you learned in playing the game and apply them in that situation. But uh, as far as I was concerned, it was it was pretty direct what you were supposed to be doing. It wasn't nearly as puzzle solvy as I would have preferred. Um, but it was neat, and then when you get to actually act it out and you watch them as they're playing the game, and then you've made all of the guards shoot fire and the babies flying around also shooting fire, <laughs> that's, and then the whole audience is laughing and everything like that, and everyone's getting mad. I thought that was pretty funny, but uh, yeah. But yeah, and, and at that point, you discover that they're, I mean, they can't sell the game as it stands, so it's about to, you know, go away forever. Mm-hmm. And it, Ish leaves it so that they have one week before he stops paying like for electricity and server costs for the building. And at that point, they have to have like a working game. They have to have something they can show to someone who will give them money for to keep working on it. And as you mentioned, Coda thought her idealism was that she thought the fans were the people who were the most important part of making the game. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't go well when she hands the reins over to the fans. <laughs> yeah, no, they they destroy it. And to her credit, she seems to, like, she gives this, like, motivating speech. We've got to get this, you know, we've got to put it together. Let's do it our way. And then they destroy it. Yep. Yep. It, like, literally, it falls apart in front of your eyes. <laughs> you can actually watch the frame rate as it goes from, like, 60 FPS down to, like, 2 or 3. And there's actually a pretty inventive part here where you have to find the one safe place in the game to keep working. Mm-hmm. And you have to go to the title menu to do that. You know, I didn't figure that out. I think that the game kicked me out or something like that. They were like, go back where we met, where we met. And I was like, we met in the tree. <laughs> like, a... <laughs> And like, I clearly didn't remember it. So the game eventually just kicked me out. They were like, okay, all right, you, you can't figure this out on your own. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> and from there, the onus becomes for you, the playtester, who's trying to manipulate things to make your own game now. Mm-hmm. And I guess wearing the shoes for your one mile, mm-hmm. and and you have to go through and set it up, and you have to do it to the the specifications of the old AI too. Do you now? When I when I got into that, like it said, like okay, you got to make the game, you got to put it together, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, and I started clicking through and adding these different rooms and things, and I thought, okay. And then I noticed that it said, like, now you can add guards. And I added a few guards, and I thought, okay. And then it said, now you should add treasures. And I thought, nope, that's too much work. <laughs> and so that's that's when I stopped playing it. But uh, as far as you told me, that was more or less the end. Well, right, yes. Uh, so at this point, you're given the instruction to, you have to make a game, because all the other fans have wrecked the game that you had. You need to make something new from scratch. And... The old AI is giving you tips on how to make an exciting game, and he'll, because he has so much experience watching the the game that he was in for so long, he can give you advice on how a game might play, and he'll even give you a review at the end, like out of 10. And he might say, like, well, it was fun at the beginning, but it kind of tailed off. It got pretty boring. I'll give it a 6 out of 10. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I kind of wish that I had stuck through that and uh, done a little bit more there just to see that. I would encourage, I mean, even if you just slap all the stuff in and don't care, mm-hmm. he'll still go through and try it and give you a review score. <laughs> and cool. It's checking for some conditions. It is like, I don't know like what criteria it's using, but it will give you a different rating based on what you do, which is pretty neat to me. That is neat. Did, uh, uh, did you, because you said you just watch people doing this. Um, 
Did you see anyone who got like a 1 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10? I only saw someone do it once and he got an 8 out of 10. Ooh. Yeah, that's so like good. he he was he said it was his second time playing. So he's like, "Well, I could sit here and like fuss with it more to get a 10 out of 10, but I think you're just here to see the next part of the game." Yeah, right. <laughs> so what happens after that after you make the game and he reviews it? So after that, you in effect save the world. You get funding for the game so the servers can live on, so the AI can live on. And it becomes episode one of the series. And now you're going in an episodic model. Of course. Of course. Naturally. As yeah. is the trend. Yep, and you're, you're seeing that everywhere. I mean, even things as huge as Final Fantasy VII are going to be multi-episodic. That's pretty crazy, but okay. As long as it's good, then I'll be fine with that. I mean, I'm... I'm hoping so, too. I mean, I I assume that much as you might infer from having watched the Magic Circle play out, that they're worried about running out of money when trying to make this game. So they're hoping that if they could sell it to you piecemeal, they won't run out of money. Yeah, that, uh, oh my gosh, that makes sense. I had never, ever considered that before, but that makes sense. Do the first part of it, makes a ton of money, then they can do the rest of it. That's the hope and the dream, at least. I, I hope that's the plan there. Uh, I think this is kind of the point, though, of this game, is it's a new way of looking at the game developer experience. You see how many different people had ideas. Oh, and actually, I forgot. There's a post, uh, one more scene after that, where you get to talk with all the people from the old company. So Maze comes back. She's going to come back and help you build the next episode. And, like, the art designer comes back, the level designer comes back. And this is presented as you're getting... Like, one phone call from Maze, and then another phone call from the level designer, and then right on top of that, a phone call from the art director, and then another phone call, and then at the end, it's like 20 voices talking at you. Nice. So just super confusing with a lot of conflicting information, then? Yeah, a lot of conflicting information, different points of view on how the game should be built now, and, like, where you should take it with these people who are now unburdened by Ish and trying to, like, inflict their creative view on it again. And, yeah, it's, it's this is just a, in total, an... In, weird interactive way of seeing the struggles of building your own game and how everyone seems to go into it at least in this case with the best of intentions and they love video games and they want to make a great video game and how hard it can really be to do it Mm -hmm. well that's that's pretty cool you know it does make me sort of wish that i had paid more attention to that sort of stuff (laughs) i was really (laughs) really really focused on like the actual gameplay or the puzzle solving mechanics of it But it seems like, from what you've been describing, the overall point of the game is, like you said, to give perspective from the game developer point of view, and just to show what goes into making the game. And I just couldn't be bothered to do that. But now that I'm hearing all this, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that's probably what the makers of the Magic Circle were going for. And I just didn't care. But I think that's all right, though. I I think that... It's, we have different points of view on what we wanted to see from this game. And I think that's kind of the point, too, is that it's very hard to please everyone. And in this case, they were very able to make a game that showed off two different cool ideas. A weird, novel way of presenting a puzzle, and also a narrative that, I, to my knowledge, hasn't really been replicated anywhere else in video games yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it anywhere. No, no. I, I, I mean, I, get, I can't think of anything. And so I think they were able to successfully get both of those things into the game. And I think that was pretty cool of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems pretty as, cool. As far as, yeah, yeah. And it's like as, as far as gameplay for me, it wasn't my, my favorite experience. But if you are into puzzle games, 
then you should really check out the Magic Circle if you are into interesting postmodern deconstructions of game development. <laughs> you should also check out the Magic Circle. <laughs> yes, you should also do that. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's got a little something for everybody, as long as you oh, like yeah. commentary or puzzles. Yes, one of those two things, and you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Cool, yeah. So that brings another episode of So Many Bits to a close. We can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. You can find us at, on Facebook, So Many Bits. Please like. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at So Many Bits. We have our episodes uploaded on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Please rate and review. And finally, you can find more information about us on secondwindcollective.com and also other quality podcasts. Support independent art. The spirit of Dell compels you. Woo! <laughs>